On today's show, the Hawks lose a Friday night game to the Miami Heat, a familiar foe in a lot of different ways. We'll talk about all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1615 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday. And today's podcast will be diving in to what became a 122 to 113 loss for the Hawks down in Miami. But before we dive into the game, I should encourage you to make sure first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to the podcast. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube. On the video side, a very busy week so far on the show and more to come, not only on this episode, but also after the game on a Saturday. But we'll dive in now. And really, this is a game that was interesting. It was nuanced. There wasn't a blowout on either side. It was back and forth. The Hawks led by as many as 11 points, actually, in the third quarter of this game. And um, really, like the Hawks trailed the entire first half. They had a big run to start the third quarter. Miami then erased that run pretty much immediately. And the Hawks just had this weird drought offensively in the middle of the second half, and that kind of burned them. Um, but certainly not a game that the Hawks played terribly in, nor did they play particularly well. They were shorthanded in this one. Um, a surprise injury inclusion uh, about, you know, th- sort of this afternoon. DeAndre Hunter was placed on the injury report with right knee soreness. That's the same injury that cut him out a little bit in recent days. He was questionable at first and then ruled out shortly thereafter. Um, Hunter played the first 21 games of the season, then missed three in a row, then came back for three in a row, and then he missed tonight. So we'll see on that one. That's the knee that's bothered him at times in the past. So a little bit concerning there. And then, of course, the Hawks are still playing without Jalen Johnson, A.J. Griffin, Kobe Bufkin, and Muhammad Gay. So, you know, at the very least, even if you put Griffin to the side, the Hawks are playing without two starters in this game, two of their top six or seven players, and uh, two of their better defenders as well. Certainly a big loss there. Um, at the same time, Miami was shorthanded as well. Jimmy Butler was out for Miami in this game as he was the first time around when, the, when these two teams met in Atlanta and the game that the Hawks probably should have won. They did not win that game. Uh, this time around, Tyler Hero also uh, actually was back for the Heat, which made a big difference because he had a big game for Miami. But all that said, sort of context-wise, the Hawks were essentially coin flips in this game coming in. FanDuel, our friends over there, made the Hawks a one-point underdog. So essentially, again, coin flip kind of status in this one, and it felt that way for a large portion of this contest. But um, as we got to sort of get into what transpired now, I actually thought the offense was the bigger problem for the Hawks in this game, which is not the usual side of the floor that we'll focus on a ton of. But even if the defensive numbers were kind of worse in some ways, I think the offense let them down more given all the context and the opponent and the available players, etc. Um, the Hawks basically have struggled offensively against Miami for a long time now. Of course, they had a very good game in the play-in last year where they had a ton of second-chance points on the glass against Miami. But last year, they, last year they really struggled. Two years ago, they really struggled in the playoff series in particular. And then this year in the first matchup, they had a 107 offensive rating in that game, which is really bad by this Hawks team standards. This time, about a 113 offensive rating, which is still not horrible, but well below where the Hawks are for the full season, about 119 or so. And the second half offense in particular was very grim. They shot 30% from the floor in the second half. They had a stretch, as I'm sure I'll talk, I'll talk about it again later, of about 18 minutes where the Hawks scored 25 points in the second half. And uh, that just can't happen to this team. In particular, without Jay- without Jalen and without Hunter, uh, this is already an offense first team, but as, even more so with, with their current personnel and just not good enough on offense on the offensive end of the floor in this game. Actually, though, I thought they had a pretty good shot profile in this one. 
It took 54 threes. That's actually a season high by one. If you watch the game back, the vast majority of those shots are good looks, too. And they shot 35% from three. That's a pretty decent clip. Not a disaster by any means, but the supporting pieces did not make them. Uh, for instance, 2 of 11 combined from Sadiq Bey and Garrison Matthews, the starting 3 and 4 on this night for Atlanta. Bogey went cold. We'll talk about more later on in this game after a very, very good first half. But they did a pretty solid job on the glass. They did a pretty solid job not turning the ball over. Um, but other than the shooting, which was certainly a big, pro- a big sort of swing in this game, the other one was free throws. So the Heat took 30 free throws, and the Hawks took 14. I'm not going to go down the officiating rabbit hole at all, because I think that's always where people kind of always defer, uh, sort of defer and go to when there's a big disparity in free throws. It's not always that. In fact, it usually is not that. But I think maybe a few calls didn't go the Hawks' way on the road in this one, unsurprisingly. But regardless, you cannot afford to take less than half of the free throw attempts of your opponent. And that ended up being a big swing in the game, efficiency-wise, and uh, just generally just doing the math on all of that stuff. Um, regardless, like offensively, it wasn't a full-blown disaster, but when you throw in the sort of weird down t- downturn in the second half, it just wasn't good enough for, for what the players that they had available in this one. Um, defensively, it wasn't perfect by any means. I will not say otherwise. But a lot of the fundamentals were pretty good for the Hawks in this game. Again, the free throw disparity kind of hurt them, and Miami shot 44% from three. That's probably a little bit over their head, I would say. If you watch the game back, early on, as Snyder kind of talked about post-game, they were not playing very well defensively. They were not necessarily being very aggressive defensively. But once the game settled in, I thought for the vast majority of the second half, the Hawks were pretty good defensively, honestly. They just, they just, they just kind of couldn't score. And that um, <laughs> ended up biting them, as you might expect. But they did pretty well in transition in this game. They forced 17 turnovers in this game. I thought, in general, the Hawks did enough, given the personnel available. Again, they are already worse defensively without Jalen Johnson. They're even worse than that without DeAndre Hunter. Those were their two best defensive forwards were unavailable in this game. And uh, that definitely bit them at times, especially when you start digging into how Sadiq Bey plays defensively, how even DeJounte Murray, but even Garrison Matthews. They went to Patty Mills in this game, Bogey. Like, a lot of defensive question marks, at the very least, for the Hawks in this spot. But um, I thought... Again, big picture, the offense was more of the problem given all the personnel available, and uh, the second half downturn kind of cost them in the end of what was a pretty close game the entire way through. Before we talk about more of this game, I should say there's actually a rare December transaction to hit on briefly here. The Hawks waived two-way forward Miles Norris on Friday morning. Um, I had a strong suspicion, even showed that on on social media, that they were going to replace him very quickly. And within literal moments of that, Woj was reporting that the Hawks were bringing back old pal Veet Krejci. So, um, not a ton to get into on this one. It's like, obviously, Norris was very clear with on the third two-way contract. He was not going to be in their plans to play this year. It was much more of a developmental piece in some ways. Although, although kind of amusingly, Miles Norris is actually older than Veet Krejci, despite being a rookie because he was a four-year college player. But Norris didn't make shots in College Park. Uh, it's a small table size. I think he was kind of billed as a guy who was going to be 6'9", 6'10", as a shooter. That's kind of why the Hawks wanted to bring him in coming out of the draft night um, situation over the summer. But his shot just kind of wasn't falling in College Park. Defensively, I think he was probably, probably better than expected, I would say. Offensively, worse than expected. And um, I would say ultimately the big thing to remember here is that there's, not a, there's probably not going to be a, a lot of on-court impact between these two players. Um, I think there are theories as to why the Hawks did this. I don't have a first-hand account of why they did this. I kind of have just my opinions and my reads on this one. It seems like, number one, um, I think if you had to guess who the Hawks would rather play in a basketball game right now, they would probably choose Vic Krejci. Now, Norris is a better defender because Norris is much bigger, much more athletic, etc. 
Veet much better on offense, I would say, at this point. Plus, just more reps, and he's been in the system before, etc. And then, there's the number two door, which is basically that Veet brings great vibes. And I don't know how much that that matters on this situation, but everyone loves Veet Krejci. I mean, Trey, I saw on Instagram, uh, welcoming Veet back today. Um, everyone loves Veet Krejci, up and down. Which is, uh, he's obviously a famous bench celebrator, all that stuff. Um, vibes are important sometimes. And a lot of teams kind of have guys at the end of the bench that aren't necessarily going to play a lot of minutes. So I get it. I saw some consternation of folks kind of saying, like, why would you give up on Miles North after just a few months? I'm, I understand that because it's it's not something you would normally see, although it happens sometimes with two-way contracts. But for me, I was never super high on Miles Norris. I think there's a reason why, why he went undrafted. He was an undrafted free agent um, and a guy who I, certainly you could see the appeal given his size and shooting. But not someone I think was going to be like. For instance, he was he wasn't in my top sixty or seventy on my draft board on you know back in June, and he didn't like life order on fire when he was playing so far. So that third two way spot, it was very evident to me that they were not going to be playing Miles Norris. I mean, even in games where they got they were very very short handed, they were either leaving Miles in College Park or just even playing Seth Lundy over him. Obviously, Lundy's a better prospect, but they were playing anybody over him basically. So um, long story short, Veet is back, and we'll see if he uh, you know. Figures in Atlanta, I would imagine, again, that spot, no matter who it was going to be, um, they, they could have cut Miles North and signed somebody else. That player, whoever they were going to get on, on a two-way contract in December, was not going to probably be a high upside player for this season. So the impact, again, relatively minimal, but a familiar face is back, and the Hawks made their first transaction in several months, officially, on Friday afternoon. All right, we'll touch on all of what transpired in this game, game flow-wise, when it comes to my observations and the way this kind of thing unfolded and as well as the end of the podcast we'll talk about some player evaluation stuff but first it worked from our sponsors on the show today's show is brought to you by ebay motors and our partners over there at ebay motors have teamed up with lockdown fantasy basketball host josh lloyd to bring some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week we will have some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster delivered from josh so let's see who josh has picked up for the this week's edition of ebay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week and as always Always, always. Josh has a list of guys to highlight. This time around, we're going to focus on Warriors rookie Brandon Pajemski, who I've always liked. Um, Josh says that he's already looked comfortable as a starter for the Warriors and is widely available in fantasy leagues. He also is a across-the-board contributor in fantasy leagues. He's got very good feel for a young player. The passing numbers are really, really strong and sort of aligned with that. Obviously, rookies can be challenging, but he's a little bit of an older guy in some respects. Plus, the Warriors have some personnel challenges with Draymond Green out, and they clearly, clearly, clearly like Brandon Majemski. So keep that in mind as you're scouting your waiver wire in the, in the coming days. And again, Josh Lloyd, of Lots of Fantasy Basketball, a fantastic podcast, by the way, is going to help you out by winning your face of championships. And eBay Motors knows that championship teams are all about each player being a perfect fit for your roster. By the way, it's the same for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton for work purposes. Going to Hawks games, in, in, in particular, one on Saturday down in Atlanta. And really all over the place this time of year. And whether there are times where I actually need just an upgrade from my car, or just to fix a, a part or two to keep things running, even Motors is the best possible place to do all of that. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure that your car or truck or SUV stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, they have LED lights, they have roof racks. Bumpers, whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors will have it for you. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you are burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is available to only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so this game was kind of a tale of runs in some respects. There were a bunch of them. 
Uh, and at, at the outset, it was actually Miami throwing the first blow in this game. A 15-3 start for the Heat, uh, forcing actually the Hawks called a timeout before they scored a point in this game. Not always a great sign. The, the Heat started small with four perimeter guys around Bam Adebayo. I'm not sure if, this, if the Hawks were responding to that or not. They ended up starting Garrison Matthews in place of Hunter, who was out in this game. Personally, I would have started the two centers. I do understand why they might not have against Miami, because Miami does play, again, very small. Um, I've said that a few times, but especially without without Hunter, I would have leaned defense by going to a Kongwu and Capella. And some of this is nuanced for sure. I don't want to say that it's not, because I will probably spend more time on this on this later on. I believe Bruno Fernando is a better basketball player than Wes Matthews. And not just Wes Matthews, then probably Garrison Matthews too, and also Patty Mills. Like, I think if it comes down to it, you're kind of better off playing a Kongwu a lot of four right now and having Bruno play 15 minutes a night than you are with what the Hawks are doing right now on the wings. That's my opinion. And again, maybe it's matchup-based because Miami is playing kind of small, but that's kind of where I would stand right now. I don't, like, viscerally hate starting Garrison Matthews like the, in the way that some people do because, again, lack of options, but notable here. Um, the Heat scored early and often in this game. So now we talked about this after the game as well, but the Hawks were not necessarily dialed in defensively at the outset of this contest. I certainly would agree with that. And the Hawks actually didn't have a field goal for the first three minutes of this game, which definitely hurt them. Trey got going a little bit from there. Um, rotationally, the one minor surprise was Patty Mills playing in this game. Actually played three or four different stints, played 12 minutes along the way. Um, they did try to have a Kongwu and Capella play together with Patty Mills because Patty's defense is a problem, especially when partnering with Bogey or partnering with Trey, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought DeJounte had a nice stretch in the first quarter. We actually made four straight shots. He was notably more aggressive getting to the rim in that stretch. Um, the Hawks cut it back to three at one point after being down by as many as 13, or I think 12 or 13 in the first quarter. Um, got to, you know, sort of got it back to seven at the end of the quarter. Trey and DJ had 17 points for the Hawks in the first quarter and nine points for everybody else. But then Bogey got going in the second. So I talked about this a little bit earlier. Bogey's splits in this game, or first half, second half, are pretty crazy. But the second quarter was a Bogey fest. He had, a, he had a trio of threes early in the second quarter to keep, keep the Hawks in touch. Um, but they defensively were giving up a lot of points, 14 points in four minutes. Um, let's just say the quartet of Trey Young, Garrison Matthews, Bogdan Madonovich, and Sadiq Bey, you're not going to get many stops with that four-man group, and they played a lot in this game. Fortunately, though, Bogey kept making shots until he didn't. Um, but in the first half, again, pretty crazy stuff. Bogey made five threes in the first eight and a half minutes of the, of the second quarter. He had 20 points by the middle of the second quarter. They never led in the half, but um, after a buzzer-beater layup by Sadiq Bey, they were only down by two at the halftime break, and considering they were down by, again, 12 or 13 in the first quarter, that was a pretty good spot to be in. Bogey had 12 and six threes before halftime. Trey had nine assists, um, but then the third quarter happened in a lot of weird ways. So on the bright side, a 13-0 run from the Hawks to open the second half. They had not led the entire first half, and then suddenly they're up 11 in the blink of an eye, honestly. Threes by Bay and Murray and Trey. Uh, ball movement was really good early on. They got six stops in a row defensively. They were very solid on the end of the floor, I thought, for most of the second half. But then as soon as the optimism kind of arrived, it evaporated because Miami went on an 11-0 run right back to tie the game. So, again, 13-0 followed by 11-0. The Hawks didn't score for seven possessions in a row. Might, might have even been eight in a row. Um, they didn't score for more than four minutes. It was pretty wild stuff. Um... There was a heck of a hustle play by Patty Mills that made a lot of, uh, sort of made the rounds. He sort of drove, dove on the floor in the backcourt to, to create an extra possession. Good stuff there from Patty as a veteran. They might have overplayed him, I thought, after that, because probably because they were kind of to, to sort of uh, defer to the way he had been playing with good intensity. Um, 
again, though, they, they closed the quarter well. Bogey found a Kongu for an easy bucket at the very end of the quarter to get back within two. They ended up tying in the third quarter, which is pretty crazy when you open the quarter with a 13-0 run. So you want to win the quarter when that happens. The Hawks scored 13 points in the first 241 of the third quarter, and then they also scored 13 points in the final 919 of the third quarter. So it was a very different feel. Miami didn't shoot the ball well, but they got to the line 12 times. That ended up being a theme throughout. Um, they tried some zone defensively when they were playing that that young Garrison, Bogey, and Bay lineup to mixed results. But for the most part in the fourth quarter, until the final three or four minutes when it kind of got off the rails, it was pretty much a rock fight for a long time. The Hawks were down by eight with like seven minutes to go. They got four straight stops, though, in the middle of that. But they only could kind of score one, once or twice. Uh, I, I know I said it once before, but the Hawks had a period in this game of almost 18 minutes. So almost a quarter and a half of game time where they scored 25 points. And this team cannot withstand that. Usually, they're going to score like 40 points in a quarter and a half. Maybe even more than that. Closer to 45 points on average. 25 points in 18 minutes, you're going to lose if you're the Hawks. By the way, they, they opened the fourth quarter shooting 4 of 17. They were down 9 with like 4 minutes to go. They got back to 4 because Trey scored 5 points in a row to kind of keep things on the rails. But then I thought, like, honestly, the biggest single shot of the game was when the Hawks were down, down only 6 with like 2.30 to go. So you're obviously underdogs at that point in time. you got to play great to win. But they're in the game. But then um, Tyler Hero hit a pretty wildly contested 3 at the shot clock buzzer with two minutes to go to put the heat up by nine. And that was kind of the dagger. It wasn't over, but that was the biggest shot of the game, in my opinion. Um, again, Miami's favorite already in that, in that spot. Trey did make back-to-back threes to keep the Hawks kind of breathing in the final 90 seconds. But once that shot by Hero went down, it was never super close to flipping the Hawks' way, I have to say, at the end. Um, Bogey, by the way, just couldn't... We'll talk about him more in a second. But second half numbers for Bogey, 1 of 13 from the floor and 0 of 9 from three. So he had been so good in the first half. He'd been so good for like two or three weeks now, just dialed in, and then it all came crashing down in the second half tonight. I don't know if he got tired or what, but it was it was a rough stretch from Bogey. And uh, not only his fault by any means, like the offense was just not very good in the second half. They scored 53 points in the second half, yes, but they were not particularly dialed in. I think they, they scored well, well, well below their norm after halftime, and uh, that was not enough to steal a win on the road against a pretty good team. Even, with, even without Jimmy, the Hawks were, again, the Hawks were underdogs in this game even with Butler out. So it kind of tells you where the situation was, and Miami is well-coached, and they just executed better than the Hawks did down the stretch. It helped that Hero and Duncan Robinson had a very big game, each of them. But, uh, you know, in the end, one team made shots, one team, one team got to the line twice as many times, etc. And uh, that was the difference between a win and a loss for the Hawks as they fall to 12-16 and 16 on the season. All right, we'll have more on this game when it comes to the individual player angles along the way. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holidays are here. Whether you're not your family gives you gifts during this time of year, you get to define how you give to yourself. The holidays are a great time to do that overall. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough times, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and all the change that can happen this time of year. It can be something to look forward to, something to make you look, sort of look and feel grounded. It can even help you get the tools to manage everything going on in your life. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. 
And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and they'll actually match you with a licensed therapist. If you want to change therapists, you can do so anytime for no additional charge and they'll make it everything easy for you in that regard. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today. Get a 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, into the player stuff in this game. Nine guys appeared for Atlanta in this one. As a reminder, again, still without five different players for the Hawks right now, including their, their starting forwards and Jalen Johnson and DeAndre Hunter, as well as Kobe Bufkin, Muhammad Gay, and A.J. Griffin. Uh, obviously, hopefully we'll, they'll get Johnson and Bufkin back in the near future, but a TBD on their exact arrivals. But while we're here, uh, Wes Matthews played the least in this game, seven minutes. He did not score. He missed his only shot attempts, had one rebound. I'll just say this, as I've been saying it for a while, I, I like Wes Matthews. I think defensively he definitely helps them. Offensively, it's really rough. That's not anything new. That was certainly the case in this game as well, and uh, that's kind of where I'll leave it for now. Patty Mills, 12 minutes, kind of surprisingly. Three points, one assist, one rebound, had a, turn- had a turnover, made his only three-point attempt in the game, had four fouls. He definitely gave them good effort defensively. He's playing with good hustle, like the one obviously diving, diving on the floor play was the big highlight of that. But I thought Patty gave them good ball pressure, he is limited defensively, to be sure. He is small and uh, not always dialed in on them on the floor, but he was certainly giving them a lot of energy in this game. Offensively, it was just fine. Um, I don't think he played great, but he didn't kill them by any means. Akongwu, nine points, seven rebounds, a assist and a steal, and two blocks in 26 minutes. I thought he played pretty well. Uh, not quite as well as he had the last couple games where he had been probably his best rest of the season to this point in time, but certainly gave him good minutes off the bench. A couple of big plays on Bam, one-on-one defensively. I thought he was good on the floor in general, um, and you know, not an A-plus game, but certainly a strong, uh, above-average one for McConaughey, I thought. Bogey. <laughs> uh, Bogey had a weird game, man. Uh, the, the splits are what they are. I, I said it earlier, but in the second half, he shot 1 of 13 from the field and 0 of 9 from 3, and that led him to a night where he was 8 of 24 from the field and 6 of 18 from 3 for 23 points and 5 assists. So obviously 23 points is a lot for a bench player. Um, he was 2 of 6 on 2s. I have zero, zero issue with Bogey taking 24 shots. I have zero issue with Bogey taking 18 threes. They were not, I mean, there maybe were a couple of aggressive looks. That's the way that Bogey plays. He just didn't have it in the second half. Um, I don't think the shot quality was much different, honestly. And I think you're going to, you're okay to live and die by Bogey in some respects. He has been really good for them. Uh, they just kind of died by it this time around in the second half. So, I'm going to say he played great after halftime, and I think on the whole, you want better than 23 points on 25 shooting possessions, but I think he's kind of due for one of these. He had been really good for a long time. In fact, he's now scored 20 points or more in seven straight games, six of those off the bench. That actually ties the franchise record for bench scoring, six games in a row, 20 points or more. He has scored 13 points or more in 20 straight games. He's hit at least one three in 37 straight games, and he has the franchise record with at least two threes in 21 straight games. So Bogey has been... Even with the second half tonight, incredible. It's just that he had a bad half, and it certainly cost them. It was part of the problem. Not not all the problem. Part of the problem in the second half of the offense was that Bogey just couldn't make a shot. And there you go. Uh, to the starters in this one. Garrison Matthews, rough one for him. Zero points, 18 minutes, 0-3 from the floor, one assist, one rebound. Did, did draw two charges, but also had four fouls of his own. Again, like I think Garrison is better than this. I think he played pretty well, actually, on Wednesday. He was not good in this game. And you're, you're in a spot where Garrison Matthews should be your fifth wing. And right now he's playing as your, as your third wing, essentially, or second wing even. Uh, but obviously third behind Bay and Bogey. But uh, yeah, tough spot. He's probably overstanding right now, but he was not very good 
in this game. Uh, Clay Capella, rock solid, I thought. Eight, eight, sorry, eight points, ten rebounds uh, in 28 minutes for Clint. Three, three from the floor, um, plus six in his minutes, and despite uh, a game which the Hawks lost by nine points. Um, he didn't play a ton because he had foul trouble. He had four fouls at one point early in the second half. But I thought he was pretty solid rebounding-wise, protecting the rim. Bam didn't get loose in this game. Bam only had 18 points on 19 shooting possessions, which is pretty good defense by both Kongwu and Capella. And I thought that, uh, yeah, he was he was just fine and solid. Bay had an interesting game, 16 points on 14 shots. He was 4 of 6 on 2s and 2 of 8 from 3. I thought he got a little bit passive in the second half. Bay's got to take some more shots than he did after halftime, honestly. Um, 10 rebounds, though. That's a good sign. 2 steals. I thought he was okay. He, he competed pretty hard. Um, there was just some times where I thought I wanted a little bit more from him on, on offense after halftime. DeJounte Murray had a pretty solid game after kind of a slow start. Once he got going, he got going. 24 points, 6 assists, 3 steals, um, 8 rebounds for DeJounte on 7 of 11 from 2, 3 of 9 from 3. Kind of a typical DeJounte game, like some really high highs, some maddening moments in, like, in, on, def- on defense in particular, and a couple of times where he was a little bit stagnant on offense, but I think... When he's going to the rim, he's much better. And I think I want him to be more in attack mode. Only took, um, again, three free throws is not, a, not enough. But nine threes, and I think he was kind of, in general, bought, bought in for the most part. And then Trey. Uh, Trey, this is a crazy one. So Trey just set, well, not I guess he didn't set. Trey is getting closer to all-time history right now. Trey had 30 points and 13 assists. And now for most of the game... It did not feel like he was getting 30 points. In fact, he had, he had back-to-back threes late to kind of get to that number, but he got there, and he has now had th- 30 points and 10 assists or more in six consecutive games. That is the second longest streak in the history of the NBA. Again, one more time, the second longest streak in the history of the NBA of games with 30 and 10. Arbitrary endpoints and all, that's pretty crazy. It is basically only all-time greats that even have five or more. Now Trey has six. The only player ever to have more than six, or even ha- even to have six other than Trey, is Oscar Robertson, who has one of one streak of six and one streak of seven. So if Trey can go for thirty and ten on Saturday against Memphis, he would match the all time record, and he could set it later on this week. I'm not saying that's going to be an all time like stop the game celebration if that happens, but certainly if you have an all time record that's held by Oscar Robertson, that's up there with Michael Jordan and Tiny Archibald, etc. It's pretty impressive territory. So Trey was not perfect in this game by any means. He had six turnovers. He actually was um, three of nine on twos in this one, kind of weirdly. But still, his usual passing brilliance, etc. And, uh, you know, he'll have better nights, but the fact that he's able to kind of have a, you know, B-minus game and he has 30 and 13 is pretty impressive in itself. And we'll leave it there for now. So, uh, big picture, not a, not a dire loss, not a great performance. And uh, hopefully the Hawks are healthier on Saturday. Uh, DeAndre Hunter would be a, a, a very valuable inclusion to have on Saturday against Memphis because the Hawks have a turnaround of a back-to-back here with travel. Not a terribly long flight from Miami, but still notable. It was an 8 o'clock game tonight versus a 7.30 game at home on Saturday. And Memphis didn't play today. So already a rest disadvantage for the Hawks in that one. And the Grizzlies, while they are not good this year so far, now have John Morant back. So the Grizzlies are, let's just say, much better than they have been so far this year with Jaw back. They're 2-0 and with Jaw after being 6-19 without him, and uh, they have the advantage there. So a pretty tough back-to-back, despite Memphis's ugly record coming up on Saturday. So we'll have all the stuff from that game coming up as well. I will be in the building and we'll be covering it in depth, as I always do. But I want to get you a podcast quickly here on a Friday night, heading into Saturday to have your uh, sort of holiday stuff, travel on Saturdays. I'm sure people will be, people be out and about, so... 
Uh, we'll have more coming on that front. Please subscribe to this podcast as well. Anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, on the audio side, as well as like Overcast and Google Podcasts, etc. We're also on YouTube, where you are encouraged to like every episode of the podcast, as well as subscribe, tell a friend, share the podcast, etc. You can find all of the Locked on Hawks podcasts if you look if you follow the show on Twitter slash X. At Locked on Hawks, will be a link there to our link tree. Um, that's always a fun place to sort of bookmark in the coming days. Also, five-star ratings and reviews are appreciated. Follow me on Twitter if you like to, at BT Roland. I also write about the Hawks regularly at patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. And uh, with all that said, we'll get out of here on Friday night into Saturday. Again, we'll have a podcast about 24 hours from now. Stay tuned for all of that, and we'll see you all next time.